like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this is the last week of our Sad Sacks theme, February 2022, and we're ending with a big one. I have seen this movie many, many times, but Corey has never seen <gasps> Casablanca. Cue the gasps. 1942's iconic film, uh, this is it's it's not every week we get to check a gigantic movie off our gap list, but when we do, it's a big moment. It really is because this is again a film that's beloved by so so many people, um, and it, it's one that I I personally as a film teacher and film enthusiast, um, and was very late to like I did not see this until I started Burke reviews like that's 2016. Um, that makes me feel a little better. Well, before 2016, I was a very bad film lover. Like, I only liked very specific things that I had seen. Um, I had a very narrow opinion of what movies worked for me. I have very much since broken that. Um, and this was one of the first ones that year that I watched that I was, like, really apprehensive because I was like, what if I don't like it? I don't want to write about this classic movie in a negative way. And I was I was blown away. But But, but, we'll save that. Um, I don't think there's any real mystery if I like this movie or not, but I am excited to find out how Corey felt about it. Uh, it is always nerve wracking. Now, on this show in the past, we have we have disliked some major loved movies in uh, a lot of the horror genre. But Corey and I both um, disliked Suspiria, which is a beloved Giallo classic. And then uh, we didn't like Phantasm, which a lot of people like. And we don't get it. We tried, though. Um, I, I kind of want to revisit Suspiria because I have really, really, like, my whole take on horror has changed a lot over the last two years. I've really embraced the genre and watched a lot more of it. So maybe it might work for me now. Um, maybe not. But it's one I do want to at some point revisit. There's a couple of other ones I want to look back at. But before we get into our review of Casablanca and we finish off the month of Sad Sacks, uh, we like to talk about what else has been going on and what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, uh, Corey, how's this week been for you? Um, I wish it. It's just so awkward because I'm so used to telling you I'm so excited about the weekend, but I ah. still have two more days, and I assume you do too. Um, yes, I do this week. Last week I didn't, but this week I do. <laughs> uh, uh, at least it's Wednesday though when we're recording this, and if I can make it to Wednesday, I feel pretty good because at least I'm sixty percent there percentages yeah. help me just like you know keep myself together um yeah so i'm doing good i finally got to go to the theaters this past week and see a movie that you know i was really sick pretty much all of january and you know in february i've been busy so and sick some but uh yeah uh just very busy with other things but good i guess true 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 well um I, you know, I, I have been uh, anxious, I would say, like a little more than usual um, and like uh, just really busy and, and not always like in ways that I understand, like just things get away from me or uh, something takes longer than I'm expecting. And so my whole like yes. timetable for the day 
gets messed up and that's always stressful. Um, you know, and obviously the, the political climate is, is tough right now, especially in the education profession. There's a lot of things happening. Um, some locally that is very only affecting me. And then there's the statewide and then the federal stuff still, um, that's always like riding on the back of my brain. And, um, and then some of it is my, my own thing. I, I love teaching film and yet I know I have like a limited window. Like some students are only going to be with me for a year and then I, some will stay with me. But for like that year, I really like to have the biggest impact possible. And so like deciding, um, what to show and how to show it and how to link things together or how to introduce topics is often, um, it's not like there's not a lot of options, but I think that's the problem sometimes is there's like too many options. And so knowing that I'm like, let's say I get to show somewhere between eight to 12 movies a year for a class, um, because we also make things. Um, sometimes like I, I really can't decide, like I get a lot of like decision-making, like, paralysis in my life it is something i it happens with like picking restaurants and things like that all the time to me where like i have like i want this but i'm afraid of this not being the right choice or whatever what if i'm wrong there's no like takesy backsies i can't control z life choices you know like they're just kind of there um so i had a couple days where i've been like really trying to make some decisions about what direction i want to go with a certain a couple of classes that were stressing me out where like i was like waking up kind of like stressed out where it was like I couldn't even sleep because I was dreaming about it um well, but then uh this morning it finally hit me how to do the next unit with them and um once I have it it's great like I'm like I'm like okay this is good. I don't it may not be great but like I feel confident about it and like okay now I want to do this and this is my approach and I have the project in mind that I want to do afterwards and my hope of like um because I when you're teaching high school kids, I mentioned like what we're doing now, we're watching for several years now, this is six years into this podcast. We have actively been checking movies off of our boxes. And sometimes I will pick themes or you will pick themes that make us like really search for movies that we wouldn't have ever have probably came across otherwise. So we have actively watched movies to expand our taste most high school kids don't do that. And I didn't do that when I was in high school. I found the 10 movies that I really loved and I rewatched the crap out of them. You know, like I loved Adam Sandler. I loved Jim Carrey. Like those were the things I would flock to. Mm -hmm. It took a long time to get here. And I like to be the person to, to encourage them to spread their, their uh, viewing enjoyment, you know? Um, like it was great. We just watched Jaws. That was from like my first year group. They just watched Jaws for the first time. Several of them had seen it, but many had never seen Jaws. And like getting to read their reactions to it. Some of them being like, I never thought a movie from 1970 could be scary and things like that. You know, like it's so cool getting to see them embrace something that they wouldn't have watched otherwise. And so, you know, um, all that to say, I love movies, everybody. That's why I spend so much time. Uh, in fact, this is my second podcast recording today uh, because Matt and I had to do Bloody Awesome today. Uh, it's I had feeling better. Matt is feeling better. He got lucky. His the first two days of COVID were real hard for him, and then he's been pretty much on the mend already. Good. Um, and then uh, I had a dentist appointment yesterday, um, which is actually why we recorded today. And I have to have a root canal in a month, um, which is stressful. Dentist, yeah, it scares me. I don't like it. But I hadn't been to the dentist since uh, before COVID, and not I don't remember exactly when, but like within a year before COVID, I had gotten a couple fillings. 
and uh, both of them have cracked. One of them because of the root canal. Um, apparently, I clenched my teeth, according to the dentist. I, I don't know that I'm doing that. but that's, Me too? That was his explanation for the, the them being broken. I was just like, I'm trying to think, did I eat something really hard? I eat a lot of protein bars. Is that a, you know, um, yeah, but, uh, so I have to get another filling and the root canal done on the 21st of March, uh, which fortunately is my spring break. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm like dreading that, but also like, you know, it was a, I really liked the dentist I had yesterday and he's going to be the same one doing the root canal. Um, he just, I don't know the way he like explained like tooth pain and stuff. It was just, it, I don't know. I really appreciated him. I thought he was really great. And as scared as I am, I'm also like, yeah, you know, it's fine. I'll be fine. It's fine. I've had, I've had nine teeth cut out of my head at this point. So it's not the worst. Uh, this is, except I'll be awake for this, like, and not gassed up. So that's nerve wracking. You know, I'll be numbed up. But like when I had the fillings done, I was really scared. So I paid extra to like, not be like fully aware. Um, so that was that was something. But anywho, folks, let's talk about what we've been watching. Um, I haven't seen too many things because I've been playing a video game called Dying Light 2, and that's been taking up a lot of my time. Um, but I have seen some movies, Corey. I have seen some movies. Uh, you want me to go first? Yeah. So I saw this movie called The Cursed. If you get an opportunity to check it out, I think you would enjoy it. It's very atmospheric, and it's technically a werewolf movie. Why does that sound familiar? Oh, no, it's a new one? Yeah, it's brand new. It's in theaters. I just saw it at our local mall. Um, I, I recommend oh, it. It has a cool poster. Sorry. It does. Um, I, I like the movie. It has, like, I've seen mixed reviews on it, but um, I, I like this type of tale, and I thought the atmosphere of it was really cool. Uh, I did watch the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The It's a uh, legacy sequel, so it is a reboot of everything but the first movie, so this is exactly, like, 40 years or whatever like in the story um it stars elsie fisher from eighth grade so that was cool uh didn't love it didn't hate it didn't love it but it's there um uncharted that's what we just did for the bloody awesome movie podcast you can hear my full review at the bloody awesome movie podcast but i i enjoyed uncharted i don't think it's a great movie but i thought it was a lot of fun i'm a big tom holland fan i also like mark Wahlberg in many movies i don't like him in every movie but i found uncharted to be uh entertaining enough uh, especially for a video game adaptation um i watched steven soderbergh's new film which is on uh, hbo max called kimmy k-i-m-i uh that stars zoe kravitz and i like it i didn't love it um it's there are some things about her character that i'm not sure how to feel about like it and there's some stylistic things that soderbergh's kind of known for where it kind of breaks reality for a moment, but it's an interesting movie. It is a uh, pandemic film in that it was shot during the pandemic, but it's also one of the first movies I've seen that acknowledges COVID-19. Like the characters live in the world where COVID-19 is a thing. It is not what the movie is about. It's just part of it. Like when she leaves, she wears a mask, other people wearing masks. Like there's awareness that there is a pandemic. It's just not what the movie's about. It's just like, Hey, this is the world we live in now. This is the way people have to choose to act kind of thing. Um, but it's on HBO Max, so I, I check it out. I would check it out if I were you. Um, I saw Shannon Tatum's new film, Dog. It is just called Dog. I don't like the name of it because I think it's a kind of bland name. But it's entertaining. It's a, it's kind of a buddy comedy um, and like road trip movie. Overall entertaining. Uh, there's some lulls in it, and there was a few parts where I was like, this is going to be 
very tedious, but by the end I was on board. I enjoyed it. Um, and then I just finished uh, a little bit ago, like an hour ago, uh, a documentary from 1990 called Paris is Burning. Um, I bought the Criterion box set a little while back. Um, and it is about drag culture in the 80s, uh, centered around New York City and the um, drag balls, which were uh, basically like dance competitions and voguing competitions, which I it, it's a lot of great terminology, uh, learning about the culture um, and the individuals who are uh, the house mothers. Um, they had like houses, which were essentially street gangs, but for drag uh, queens. And man, it's a it's a really compelling film, very eye opening, um, insightful. Just uh, one, I, I I think it's the first Criterion after I watched it that I read the essays in the book, um, because mm-hmm. I wanted to know more. And I have some other reading to do because apparently one of the people that I was like really impressed with their wisdom has some crazy stories that came out after they died, and I am uh, very excited to read about that. So. Um, Paris is burning. I, I'm sure it's probably, I can confirm if it might be streaming somewhere. It is not, um, it's not on a criterion channel or HBO max apparently. Uh, Oh, I lied. It is on the, the criterion channel. It's not on HBO max though, but, um, I, I bought the, uh, the Blu-ray for like 20 bucks, I think on Amazon, not too long ago. So, um, but I've been meaning to watch it for a few weeks. So I decided it was, it's only 71 minutes yes. and I had like a narrow window today. So I was like, you know what? can fit this movie in i didn't watch a movie yesterday so i felt like i should watch something today and uh, i'm really glad that i did it's a really good documentary and um to my friend i don't know that she listens to this but who recommended that i watch it that's what i've been watching i I did finish peacemaker uh season one excellent series i highly recommend um and i've been watching more letter kenny a very funny show um what about you Corey? what have you been watching a very short list i'm rewatching the office again Stop doing that. Watch something new. <laughs> Are you? Th- Did you leave? Oh, you muted your mic, Corey. You muted it again, Corey. <laughs> I'm fired for real because I got no sleep last night. Um, so sorry. I like to have it on when I'm doing something, so I don't have to pay attention all the time. Like if mm. I'm folding laundry or something. Indeed. I've been trying to get some aspects of my life under control this, and this week it was like laundry. So, um. And then, of course, still watching Saved by the Bell. I did. Aren't there like nine seasons or something like that? I for, I didn't realize it went on so long. But anyway, we're in the senior year. Um, <clears throat> and then I too watched the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, and was not a fan. Not a fan. Um, I'm one of the few people, I guess, in the history of the universe that really loves the first one, like the original 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Here I am. I finally got to go see Scream, and Ooh. I loved it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So much. Apparently, that movie is also, like, you know, I guess some people hate it, and some people love it. I had a yes. lot of fun. Um, I thought there were some really weird thing. There was a really weird thing they did in the movie that I didn't like. I bet you I know uh, what that is. <laughs> I bet. Well, there was something I absolutely freaking hated. And then there was something that they did, like, oh my god, effects-wise that I didn't like. I won't go into that, because maybe everyone Spoilers. hasn't seen it. Yeah. Um, but that's what I've been watching. Um, I, it's, it was kind of good timing, because you, uh, you got to see a movie that's kind of making fun of the Lego sequel. 
after watching a Lega sequel that you didn't like. Um, uh, which is, uh, if listener, if you are unfamiliar with the term I'm using, Lega sequel, there's a few other names that are tossed around, including I forget what they call them in Scream, but I, I it's not the name that I'd ever heard outside yeah. of Scream. Um, I was like, okay, but it is uh, the the idea is that it is a sequel that keeps some of the continuity, but also resets a lot of the continuity of other films. So uh, it's been very big in the horror genre. Um, Halloween and Halloween 2018 do, does that because Halloween 2018 erases two through whatever the other I don't know, six or seven, however many other Halloweens there are. Um, we got that with uh, technically Star Wars The Force Awakens does that. It doesn't fully erase anything, but it does reestablish the, the framing of the series. Um, and, uh, and then like you have, um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre did it. There's like three other movies that aren't coming to me right now that have done this legacy sequel thing. It is the new trend to, uh, to reestablish continuity and kind of make your own canon of what counts. Um, and technically Texas Chainsaw Massacre has done this several times, actually. Um, even before it was dubbed legacy sequels because some of the, like the other sequels, always seem to acknowledge the first film, but also then like kind of reset their thing. Um, and, or have like different pockets. There's a whole, the Texas Chainsaw Wikipedia has it like broken down into these different, like basically uh, these movies are canon and these movies are canon in this series or this happens. So it's kind of interesting. It is interesting, but I don't think you should have to have a doctorate to follow along. No, agreed. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I just find it really interesting. But um, yeah, Scream 5 uh, does that. So I'm most upset because they have announced they're making Scream 6 already. And oh, I'm like, no. but you, uh, the whole thing of Scream is that you make fun of genre elements. And I don't know what's left to make fun of, except the only thing that Matt and I have been able to say would make sense would be if they do, they mentioned this in the movie, the high concept horror that's become kind of a trend now. Um, like the, like the A24 horror, that's a little, you know, sometimes it's real good and sometimes it's not yeah and if they kind of attack that but i'm like how do you do scream like that though like how do you make it are you gonna make a scream like a24 film because i just don't i don't know that you can do that Um, bring in one of the directors (laughs) like like robert eggers uh um or uh ari aster hasn't done a movie in a while let's get him we like hereditary oh and i also love midsummer so you know yes do it but you know i don't know how he does it or what he'll do but i'm i'm in for the the attempt (laughs) all right who do we need to tweet at (laughs) ari aster i guess uh i'm pretty sure they'll let him do it but (laughs) all right folks it's time we're going to talk casablanca this is 1942 the original the only so far please keep it please um casablanca starring humphrey bogart ingrid bergman um Paul Heinrich, Heinrich, sorry for butchering that. Claude, Claude Rains, who is so great in this. Uh, Conrad Veidt and Sidney Greenstreet. Um, I I hate the cast list sometimes. Dooley Wilson as Sam, which is such an important character that he's eighth build is ridiculous. What? Um, he should be third. Right, exactly. Well, I think you give, honestly, I think Claude Rains should be third, but Paul uh, Paul Heinrich oh, is fair. Victor Rosler. But, um, but Sam does deserve more. Sam doesn't get as much screen time. I think his character significance is very, very high up there. But to not be, uh, to be eighth is ridiculous. Anywho, um, it's directed by Michael Curtis, uh, who has done some other amazing films, including, if I'm not mistaken, the, uh, um, oh, I guess maybe I was mistaken. But he directed White Christmas, which is one of my favorite Christmas movies. 
Um, I still have not watched uh, The Adventures of Robin Hood, which is a movie I, I know I need to see, and one day I will watch it, but so far I have not. Um, I thought he did... Sorry, I'm, I'm using IMDb to do this, and I don't like this. God, he did... Directors in the studio system got worked to death. He has so many credits because he was just like, all right, here's another movie. Make the movie. Um, okay. 178, 178 credits, Corey. This guy Ooh. has uh, Michael Curtis, our director for this film. Oh, like it's so crazy that they worked them to death like that in the studio system. Um, like, you, like, like Tarantino talks about retiring after 10. This guy made 178 movies. Like, oh my God, gross. <laughs> um, it should be noted, this is an important stat for Casablanca. There are five movies, if I remember correctly, that have a 100 on Metacritic, and this is one of them. Um, 100 on Metacritic is that there is every critic who has reviewed the film has given it a perfect score. That is, obviously, I just said there's only five of all the movies that have ever been reviewed on Metacritic by critics. Only five have a perfect score, and th- being one of them is a big deal. Um I think the only modern film on that list is Boyhood, if I remember correctly. Um, and I might be off, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Um, uh, if you've never seen Casablanca, we start with no spoilers, but uh, the plot synopsis from IMDb is a cynical ex- expatriate American cafe owner struggles to decide whether or not to help his former lover and her fugitive husband escape the Nazis in French Morocco, specifically in Casablanca and uh, Rick's Cafe. So, Corey? Uh, this was your pick. You've never seen this iconic film, which again, listeners, I'm only, I only saw this for the first time six years ago. I've seen it many times since, actually. I think I've seen it five or six times total now. Um, but I want to know, Corey, what did you think of Casablanca? Lives up to the hype. It really that's does. My, that's my one sentence. <laughs> um, I'm going to take a nod from a... All right, give a nod to Courtney Taylor Taylor of the Dandy Warhols. Sometimes he does like one sentence movie reviews and they kill me. <laughs> so that was mine. Um, so I know that. Okay, so obviously this kind of has a sad ending. It is for, a sad sack. For this type of movie, though, and for when it takes place and the events that are surrounding the people in the movie, it wasn't as heart wrenching as I was expecting. But I really appreciate, obviously, we were not alive during this war. Everything that we hear most, you know, it, it for both of us, I think it's coming from movies or it's what we've learned in school. And I feel like what we learn from movies is much more fleshed out. And we see different, like, points of views, how it affected different areas and stuff like that. So it's... I. I mean, I didn't do any research into this, but I have to believe that some of what's happening in this movie is true. Um, And I just thought it was very sad, but very interesting. And I don't think that this movie ever got as sad as it could have been. We've talked about this in, was it eighth grade, how she kept getting set up or getting into situations that could have turned out much worse than they did you know mm-hmm. we just kept waiting for like oh my god this is gonna be really bad and it never went there <laughs> and i'm not trying to you know water down this time period i just i thought that it was going to be a lot more 
oh my god, I thought I was going to die watching this. Mm. You know, well, I thought it was going to tear me apart. Without getting into any spoilers, like, the, the love story itself is tragic in a way. It's not Romeo and Juliet where, like, everybody's dead, but it is tragic in and in of, like, I would say in, like, a La La Land way, where maybe the, the ending you want isn't what you're going to get. Um, I love the ending, though. I know, we'll talk about it in a second. Um, I, uh, when I first saw the film, again, um, I was apprehensive for a lot of reasons. I, I don't know why. I think I was still in this, like, nonsense, macho, like, male toxicity mindset where, like, romances weren't for me. I clearly love romances. Like, at this point, I have no no delusions or illusions a- about it. <clears throat> I am a rom-com fanatic. I am a sap when it comes to romances. Um, I don't know when I ever, I, you know, sometimes I'm mad at myself for allowing for myself. What were other, you thinking? other, like, the influence of culture, like, to make mm. me feel ways that I didn't really feel. So I, I went into this movie very apprehensive that I'm just like, it's gonna, it's black and white, it's gonna be boring, I don't really care about love story, and I'm just like completely enraptured by this film the whole time, and I'm like, it's a gorgeous film, like, I don't know, why like, did I think black and white was un, un, appeal, like, unappealing, I love black and white film now, I don't, ex- I, I don't find the need to exclude anything anymore when it comes to like film taste and preference, like I am open to most experiences, there are some that do not work for me consistently, a lot of times Victorian time period pieces don't work for me. There are exceptions, though. I have found some that do. Um, and other times, you know, movies that I normally think I, I love rom-coms. I don't love every rom-com. There's many that drive me insane. So I've, I'm open now to just the world of cinema. And this was one of those films that when I started Burke Reviews really shattered that ceiling for me. And it opened up my eyes to the possibility that any movie can work for you but you you got to give it the opportunity to do it and this film i've taught now several times and high school kids who go into movies like this immediately just check out most of them have enjoyed this there's always a few who don't and that's that's true of all movies movies will not work for everyone all of the time completely great no problem with that especially if you tried if you actually watched it you didn't fall asleep in the first five minutes because you're like it's black and white boring and you don't like it, that's fine. Students often love this movie. Um, they o- almost always tell me that they didn't expect to. And th- that's just something about this story. Uh, there's so many things. And what I love even more about this is over the years of having now taught this film and studying the context, and I've learned a lot about World War II through movies over the last couple of years, especially. It's a, it's a topic that never really interested me, and now... Um, I know so much about it and not to say like, obviously I knew about it. I knew how powerful it was. It's, it's a horrendous scar on, on our history of humanity, but I was never like interested in history. Like history was not a topic that appealed to me. Movies have really made me reevaluate that thing. I've, I've made a few friends now who are like history buffs who fill me in on a lot of gaps that I otherwise didn't know. And Casablanca is one of those stories that contextually it's so crazy, especially because if you know, like World War II ends a couple of years after this movie comes out and this movie's being made while World War II is happening. And so one of our characters, this is a, not a spoiler because this is the plot point. Victor Laszlo has escaped a concentration camp, but they didn't understand what concentration camps were yet. And how much more heroic Laszlo is from our perspective 
because we know what concentration camps were. Like him escaping a concentration camp is such a bigger deal to our mind than it would have been in 1942. Like they, there were rumors people had ideas, but it had not yet been revealed at the horrors in which people were facing at concentration camps when this plot point is written. And I, I love to point that out. Um, there's so many other things like our neutral party in this movie uh, is Rick and Rick is the American and America at the beginning of World War II was like, no, no, we're not going to get involved. We're not going to do that's not for us. We were in World War One. It was, a, you know, we lost so many soldiers. We're staying neutral. We have nothing to add. And it takes the horrors of the Nazis and, and uh, again, for us, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. But nevertheless, for this character to finally say, I have to pick a side, I can't be neutral any longer. Like, so the representation of American culture and it's joining into the war and and ultimately being the hero um, all ties back into that cultural context. So there's so much to read into this movie and about like the war and how things play in. Um, that's what makes this film even better. Like on its surface, it's a powerful romance, very easy to watch. It's, there's humor. I love cloud rains in this as the uh, captain Louis um, Renault. Uh, he's just <clears throat> so funny at times and the, the hypocrisy and he plays it so straight I love like one second, you know, he's like, ah, gambling. And they're like, here's your winnings. And he's like, oh, thank you. And he's just like, he keeps going. Like he doesn't acknowledge the hypocrisy. Um, There's so much brilliance in this film. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, it, I was a little nervous. I was like, man, if Corey didn't like it, this is going to be a weird episode. I'm going to have to be like, wait, let me tell you why you're wrong, Corey. And and that's, of course, I don't really ever mean that when I say that. Um, Before we move into spoilers, I do want to correct myself. I said there were only five movies that had 100 on Metacritic. There are actually eight. Oh, really? I'm going to tell you what they are, if you don't mind. No, please do, because I looked it up and I found five. Oh, interesting. Oh, nope, I I didn't scroll down. Sorry. Um, Oh, I haven't seen as many as I thought. Sorry, go ahead. So, Citizen Kane, uh, which you have seen or no? You haven't seen. That was the only one I thought I hadn't seen. I've also seen this now several times. I've taught it. Uh, it, is, it is a movie that I adore so much, um, which, again, hot take. Everybody, I think Susan Cain's a great movie. Um, but it's one that I, I'm much more accepting for people not to like. I totally understand why people can find fault in it, but I think it's amazing. The Godfather. Um, I mean, yeah, many people quote it. Rear Window, my favorite Alfred Hitchcock film, uh, although Psycho is tied for me. I love both, but Rear Window is my favorite because it's got my favorite actor in it, James Stewart. Um, Casablanca, as we mentioned, uh, Boyhood, which is the only, uh, I, I lied, it is not the only modern movie. It is the only modern American film in this list um, because you have from 1994, which isn't technically modern, but it's much more modern than all the other movies we're listing. Three Colors Red. Uh, it's one of the Three Colors trilogy that also inspired the uh, Cornetto trilogy. Um, I have not seen Red, Blue, or White. It is the f- colors of the French flag. I have been meaning to watch them. I, it's something that's high on my list. I need to check out uh, another Hitchcock movie, Vertigo. I mean, Vertigo, James Stewart, again, amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, that's... I, I, I am a fan. I do like Rear Window above it. Um, and then another Hitchcock film, three Hitchcock films in the top 100. Uh, Notorious, which I just saw not long ago because the Criterion box set came out, uh, does star Ingrid Bergman again, though. Um and uh, Cary Grant, who is another favorite actor of mine. Um, I love Notorious. I think that movie is phenomenal. 
Um, and then it goes to 99. So like, there's a lot more movies in the 99, but those are the only five movies ever reviewed on Metacritic to have a 100. Um, and this is the first, uh, did we do boyhood? We did boyhood, right? I think we did. Um, I'm sure, so this is the first, second 100 movie that we've done in all of the years that we've been doing this podcast. Uh, boyhood would have been like year two, I think, because that, uh, that was a movie I had just put off forever. We definitely did, by the way. Um, we have become big Richard Linklater fans uh, over the course of this <sighs> podcast. Uh, I I'd already liked him, but it became apparent how much I liked him as we've done the before trilogy, Boyhood. Um, also, let's be real, Ethan Hawke fans, we are. Oh, I um, love him so much. And uh, yeah, um, let's get into spoilers for Casablanca. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about this movie that probably everyone else in the world has already seen. <laughs> <laughs> but spoilers, you've been warned. All right. My this was my first Humphrey Bogart movie too. Had you seen anything with him in it before? I was meaning to look that up. I feel like it probably is also because it's like I don't think I've seen him in anything else. But now you were a fan of Tales from the Crypt. Yes. So there's this one episode that Robert Zemeckis directs um, that has uh, a, it's a whole thing is shot from POV. So you're you're like you're the eyes of. <sighs> The character and at some point uh he's had reconstructive surgery and he is revealed to be he now looks like humphrey bogart and they use really bad cg to like mm. insert him into like reflections and it's a really sketchy thing um but there is a movie uh called dark passage that that episode of tales from the crypt is actually playing on that humphrey bogart stars in, um which i did not know I watched Dark Passage on a coincidence and found out that it was the thing that inspired the Tales from the Crypt episode that I'd already seen. I was like, wait a minute. That's insane. Um, I I have seen a few now, but this was my first encounter with Humphrey Bogart. I've seen Maltese Falcon, which is another must-see film, although that one's a noir, so you might not like it. Um, so is Dark Passage, by the way. Uh, I've seen The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which is so good. And then I just recently watched The African Queen, um, which is him and Catherine Hepburn, also really good. I have in my backpack with intentions of watching it very soon, Sabrina, uh, because it's Audrey Hepburn and I'm kind of on, a, on an Audrey Hepburn kick right now. And then I really want to watch High Sierra. Uh, those are the other two of his films that are like high on my list. That I'll be watching sooner than later. Um, but um, I had always heard, you know, he's like an iconic figure of Hollywood. So even having never seen a movie, he was a, a presence that I was really, really, really aware of. and. I mean, I really like him. I, I am so surprised with some of the people who get to be movie stars because I look at him and I'm just like, he's a cool looking guy. I wouldn't have thought him to be like the heartthrob that he is. You know what I mean? Like by today's standards, he doesn't look like a movie star. Sometimes I think it's not necessarily like they're not, it's not always a person's physical appearance. It can be their presence or the, you know, like, We've talked about this before about another, I don't know. I don't think it was James Stewart. It was someone. But it might have been. He, he just, you know, isn't, I don't know. I feel like it's more like for him, when we were talking about it, it was a swagger. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I no. just feel like he looks older. And I know how old I'm turning on Saturday. Um, <laughs> And he is supposed to be playing a 37-year-old in this movie. And he looks much older. He looks older than that to me. 
Yeah, I agree with that, especially compared to his, the love interest, Ingrid Bergman, <laughs> whose story in Hollywood is compelling and tragic at times. I, I'm not oh. going to try to recite it. I just know that there was a lot of struggle. Uh, but like she's man, she's so good and notorious and she's excellent in this. Um, did any anything about them, like any thoughts with your first ex- experience of these iconic actor actress duo? Um, did they blow you away? Were you underwhelmed any thoughts oh totally underwhelmed no i'm kidding um i felt like i've seen ingrid bergman and something else but i don't know they were i don't feel like there was anyone in this cast that wasn't you know especially like our main characters i feel like maybe you know the guy who plays the nazi general or whatever you know i feel like he could have probably been changed with someone else you know what i mean yeah but, like, as far as the main people in this movie, I think they were all great. Mm-hmm. I Did you did you notice um, that every time that we had her on screen, like, the image got really, like, soft? I was like, is this, like, 1940, like, airbrushing or mm. whatever? I don't remember what they call it. Um, you know, they, like, soften her so much. Or maybe I'm just imagining things. No, they I would think... Go- I think there's a visual effect there, um, like, uh, like make it more dreamlike almost. Yes. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I definitely noticed it. And it was like every time I was on her, but I feel like, you know, I think that it's very interesting. I, let me back up words. So I didn't think about it in the way that you said earlier that this was made and released during world war two yes i'm very bad with time guys like timelines and stuff so i do think that that i i mean i was thinking that her husband is a badass because he escaped from the concentration camp but i wasn't thinking about it in those terms like you mentioned earlier like now we know how horrific they were but then you know i mean they weren't anything to be joked about then or like lesson then but you know extermination camps i feel like at some point i was told that they were being told that they were like work camps mm-hmm. which you know what i mean so i do feel like that gives it a lot and yeah and i feel like it as a person who's a little bit older i feel like i i knew when she shows up and we find out that she left and that this is her husband and this was always her husband and i was like holy heck she thought he had died and then she found out that he didn't die like i and we end up finding out at the end how humphrey bogart his character feels about that i mean i feel like you can't you can be hurt and you can be sad that it didn't work out a certain way but i don't I think it would be really hard to find fault with a person in that situation, you know? Yeah. Well, um, George Stevens is a, a filmmaker of this era. Uh, he was part of, there's a really great documentary called the five came back. And these were five Hollywood directors who went, uh, were either recruited by the military or um, another division. And they were completely like, you're going to film the war. You're going to film things. You're going to make propagandist films to help convince people to join the military. You're also going to capture things. And George Stevens 
is uh, the filmmaker who captures the concentration camp on film. There's a documentary called Nazi Concentration Camps. Last I checked, it is on Netflix. I've not watched it because it, it is going to be horrendous because they didn't know what they were walking into. That comes out in 1945. So just to give some context, 1942 is when Casablanca comes out. So my understanding now, the movie comes out in 1945. I don't know for sure when they filmed it necessarily, but it would have been probably 44 or or 45 because the military was like, you got this. We need to release this because we need people to see what we just stopped. Like the world needs to know what happened here. And so that just to kind of emphasize that, like there's no way they could have known exactly there could have been rumors there could have been talk but there's been no way of knowing exactly what was going on my understanding is that the footage that george stevens and his crew captures when they get to the concentration camp and this is from the five came back documentary series on netflix um was like the first to capture the horrors that were there and um it's just it's it is crazy to think because uh, for a little bit, the the Hollywood studio system did not want to tackle the war. They were trying to stay neutral. And so there was like bans about like, you can't have Nazis, you can't reference this. Um, and eventually some filmmakers were like, you know what, we want to talk about what's happening. So we're going to include it in our stories. And Casablanca is one of those that, that kind of pushes past it. Um, you know, the first time she shows up in the cafe um, and, and she asks Sam to play, I love her, Sam and her dialogue where Sam's trying to act like he doesn't, he doesn't want to do anything because Sam's so protective of Rick. It's so sweet to me. Like, well, he's trying to get Sam. Uh, he wants Rick to go to bed and Rick's depressed and he's drinking and he's like, come on, let's end it. And he's like, no, I'm not gonna. He's like, well, then I'm not gonna either. Like, he's just such a good friend. So loyal. Even uh, when the one guy tries to horrendously buy, it's really bad because he's trying to buy Sam. But realistically, he says just buying people is part of the, the culture of Casablanca that like, you you hire people but you own them is essentially the implication there um but he tries to buy sam and rick is like oh, i don't i don't deal with selling people that's not my trade but he's like but if you want to offer sam the job you can and it's, he offers sam like double the money and sam's like no i'm pr- quite happy here i don't even have time to spend the money i get from this you know like yeah. i i love all of the sam stuff uh again he's not in the movie enough but i everything he gets to do uh dooley wilson just crushes it and of course the performance is singing so great um he kind of tries to keep rick to make rick keeps keep his wits about him i guess yes because even when they're on the platform and they're waiting for her when they're trying to escape paris because the nazis are coming in and he's like we have to go you know, he probably would have stayed or missed the train. And it was yeah. the last train out of there, right? Yeah, um, it was like, leave or you're stuck with Nazi occupation in in France. I, You know, and there's something else. I just feel like every movie that we see that has this in it, World War II in it, I just am like, I didn't, I don't know if it's true, but I feel like it is. Like how they went ahead, some of them went ahead, I guess, and told them how to act and present themselves when the Nazis, you know, took over their cities mm-hmm. on the radios and, or like over the intercoms and stuff. Like I, I never thought about that. I don't feel like I've heard about it before. And I don't know for sure that it was done that way. Again, this is, yeah, this is happening as world war two is happening. So I don't know how much of it paints a historically accurate picture of the, the way uh, the Nazis would have like entered a city. 
I, I wouldn't be surprised um, if the Gestapo showed up early to like, this is what you better do. Um, I'm not sure though. Uh, you know, I've now seen a lot of more modern retellings of World War II, but so you don't know how many of those are being dramatized um, or, you know, not looking for historical accuracy because some films aren't, that's not their goal. Uh, it's, you know, like Overlord, the movie where like uh, a group of soldiers find themselves in a Nazi, basically zombie like plan where they've created zombies. Um, it, it's a wild JJ Abrams, bad robot. It's not JJ Abrams directed, but JJ Abrams produced bad robot film. That's it's a lot of fun, especially if you've played call of duty zombies, cause it very much feels like call of duty zombies, the movie. Um, but yeah, overlord uh, had a small theatrical run, like 2019, um, maybe 2018. But uh, so again, point being like, there's all sorts of, fictionalizations of these things yeah i I just i don't know i definitely need to research more but i just felt like a lot of interesting things that i would like to learn you know about were presented in this movie Mm -hmm. um yeah well and you get these um amazing quotes in this film too right like you get some some of the most iconic lines in cinema here's looking at you kid um and then you get the, uh, of all the gin joints in all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine. Um, that line's been paraphrased and reused in films all over the place. Uh, we'll always have Paris. Um, and then uh, the the big ending, right, where he's, um, th- I think this is the beginning of A Beautiful Friendship, when he's walking away on the on the, the tarmac of the, the airport after he is, we think he's planning to run away with Elsa like and leave Laszlo and they're going to go to America and everything will be fine. But instead he sends her with him because he sees the value of, of picking a side, um, which I think is you alluded to Corey, you found that uh, more beautiful than sad. Yeah. I, you know, like the whole time he's not getting involved. He's not putting his neck out for anyone. And he, I thought that he was going to die at the end of this movie because was it Renault? Um, Renault's the uh, the the French or the Moroccan uh, captain. Yes. So I um I could I mean he called the Nazis you know General Major General Strasser you know and was trying to stop this from happening, and I was just like he's going to die. He's going to die. He's going to put them on the plane and he's going to die. Um, but he did not. Um, and he helped Rick set it up, you know, that, oh, go round up the usual suspects, you know. Um, I just don't think that this movie could have ended any better because Ingrid loved her husband, or at least she loved him at some point. She married yeah. him. And she then... still respects him for sure. Like, yeah, there's no no doubt there. It's not like she's unhappy or he's an abusive man or anything like that. No, and it's like she honestly doesn't know a lot about Rick. Anyway, they like made it a point not to talk about their personal. No, but there's an undeniable love between the two of them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But I mean, you could, if you, I mean, she could find out things about him potentially that change her mind about him. Absolutely. You know, uh-huh. like not necessarily in this movie, but I'm just saying in that type of situation. I don't know. I love the ending. No, I, I think the ending's great, but I still think this is a, a very hard qualifier for the sad sack theme because Rick is a sad sack. Like the entire 
his whole existence as this neutral player is a result of him being a jaded, cynical person because of his relationship with her. Like, she made him bitter. She made him this kind of shell of a man who doesn't want to commit. And when he sees her again, you see that kind of shatter a little bit. Like, he's shook. You know, he can't believe here she is. Why is she here? I thought I'd, you know, I'd moved on. And now she's back in my life. But not only is she back, she's brought this man who's going to bring the end of everything I've been working for because he is the he I can't be neutral with him, you know, uh, for multiple reasons, because part of him wants to turn him in because you you stole my woman, essentially, even though not true. You know, he didn't know that. And the other part is, um, but I I want to protect you because you stand for the good that's uh, in humanity. But I'm neutral now. So, like the whole all of the the trauma and then again that first scene after he sees her and he's like drinking himself sad and um when he realizes he can't have her still but then when he can have her but he chooses the greater good over his own happiness you know those are sad sack moments yeah i'm i'm not saying that they aren't but I appreciate the ending. And I also feel like he must have thought he was going to die too because he sells off his club and he makes, Mm. you know, he makes sure that all the people that work there get to stay on and get paid what they get paid. And, you know, he's like leaving everything behind. So, and I mean, you can't leave. It's hard to read to leave there. You have to have papers usually and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think Rick knows one way or the other. He's either going to die, or he can't stay in Casablanca anyway. So it's like this is I got to pack up and I got to move on. Um, but then again, I, the the ending, it, like him and and Renault will have to both leave, I guess, to avoid maybe Nazi retribution because someone's gonna have to pay for that that's Nazi soldier being killed. Um, so maybe that's like the, they're walking away, like all right, well, I guess we're off. We're going to have to live together. Uh, we'll be like the odd couple. Um, you know, we're, we're going to move around and see what happens. But yeah, um, I'm so glad there's no Casablanca 2 or whatever they would have called it. Um, no. I guess maybe uh, we, that's what we should do. We should make a movie. It's called Rick and Louie. And it's just them on a wild road trip after, after that last scene. Like pick up right there. Maybe pick up six months later, the beautiful friendship. Like boom, here it is. Like what do you want to see? No, please, oh, Hollywood, don't do this. I'm joking. If it happens, I'm so sorry. Stop to everyone. Um. Oh, I wanted to tell you something funny because I didn't know because I've never seen this movie. But that um, local art house theater that we have that mm-hmm. I have talked about before, they have a cafe and it's called Rick's Cafe American. Oh, man. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. And their food is actually pretty dang good. I mean, if you go there, you can have a glass of wine or a beer. Oh, man, they put real butter on the popcorn. Um, You know. Yeah. Now, I just want to picture, like, someone taking, like, a, like, stick of butter and a knife and individually <laughs> buttering each kernel of popcorn. Oh, it's, no. It's, like, melted, but it's real butter. Oh, okay. I, it'd be so much more fun if they, like. It's not, like, There's just some guy who hates oil. his job and they're, like. <laughs> More butter. Like, God, there's got to be a better way. Like, just <laughs> they're just like tossing it in a huge bowl. Butter. Um, yeah. Well, no. listener, that's our review of Casablanca. I'm going to say it's a must see film. I'm pretty sure Corey's going to second that. I would say if there was something above a must see film, even. I mean, it's this is the the term must see maybe is used too often. 
in the, in that regard. Cause yeah, this is one of those, like if you are trying to understand film history, if you're trying to see some of the greatest films ever made, this is one you need to watch. Uh, there's it's, it's a, a must see film. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know what else you could refer. Maybe I I've used that phrase too often then. Um, but nevertheless, Casablanca, both Corey and I stamping it as top, top tier, probably one of the best films we've ever reviewed on this podcast. Um, it, by like everyone's standards, not just ours. Like it is one of the highest rated films we've ever talked about on this show. Um, I don't know if when we'll get to the next one of those, cause there's not many that well-regarded, but um, at some point Corey does need to see Citizen Kane. So I don't know where we can fit that in, but you might need to fit that in. Um, that said, this is the end of sad sacks and we're moving into March, which is going to be now streaming. So this is very simple. These are movies that are streaming on a service somewhere and for the first time in a while that we've done this theme because we've done this theme most every year there's some version of it last year was a, a river runs through it that was a streaming thing haha um i kept it simple now streaming um my movies i picked more recent releases um cory has got one that's a little newer than mine and then we have a very old one and uh, this is the first time in a while where we're doing this. It's Corey didn't pick movies on Shutter, so good job, Corey. You've branched out. Uh, I did pick one that's a horror movie, though. Or fair. yeah, but not Shutter. Uh, which no offense to Shutter, we love Shutter. It's just not everybody else has it. So this we uh, I and, know, but it's so good. But this is also, I think, the first time we have no Netflix movies on this this thing because um, I usually end up on a Netflix thing. Uh, we've got Hulu, HBO Max, and Prime as our options. So here's what we're gonna be watching for the month of March. A movie called Plan B, which is on Hulu. Um, Plan B is directed by uh, Natalie Morales, I want to say is her name. She was on, uh, she was Tom's girlfriend on Parks and Rec for a while uh, as an actress. Um, And this is, I think, her directorial. The Doctor? Yes. Um, Yeah, she is the Doctor. Uh, She is a good actress. I'm a fan of her in other things. Um, I forget she's who is she in Into the Spider Verse? She's somebody in Into the Spider Verse. Um, she's in Stuber. Oh no, she's not the Doctor. Sorry. Sorry, then I was wrong. Um, okay, but she's in there somewhere. Um, but this is her, I think, directorial debut. Although she's got a language lesson, which might be a sh- no. That's also a feature. So she's directed two movies that both have the 2021 date uh, on them. I have not seen either. But I've heard good things about Plan B, so that's why that one's picked. Then we're going to follow that up with The Eyes of Tammy Faye on HBO Max. Uh, sorry, Plan B is on Hulu. Um, that is uh, Jessica Chastain's Oscar-nominated performance. I believe Andrew Garfield is also in this film. Um, looking forward to checking this one out. Uh, it's one of the 2021 films that I did not see. Um, then we're going to be watching Unpregnant. Um, yes, there is a pattern to my movies. Uh, Unpregnant, though, is um, Haley Lou Richardson is the star who I am a big fan of. You would, uh, might recognize her if you saw Five Feet Apart um, or uh, Edge of Seventeen. She's the best friend in that movie. She's one of the girls in Split. She's not Anya Taylor-Joy, obviously, but one of the other girls in Split. Um, she's in, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. Uh, she's in one of my favorite films that nobody has seen called Columbus um, with her and John Cho, which is such a great movie. Um, and then support the girls, which I also saw at a at South South by Southwest. Oh, I always forget she's in the Bronze. Also, um, that is uh, not a big movie, but a movie I saw and thought was pretty funny. Um, 
but Unpregnant, uh, looking forward to checking this one out. Um, I forget who directed it. Uh, Rachel Lee Goldenberg, um, who has done a few things. I've not seen any of her other work, but, um, but I also had heard good things about Unpregnant and I thought, Hey, why not two, uh, movies about abortions? Um, so that said, uh, our last movie for now streaming, we're, we're jumping back in time to the fifties to watch the night of the hunter, which is available on Amazon Prime. I also just skipped Unpregnant is also on HBO Max. Um, Night of the Hunter is on Prime. We're going to be watching that in the month of March for now streaming. Those are, again, movies that are currently streaming, hence the streaming services. So, listeners, if you like what we're doing here at Movie Club, we ask that you take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Let other people know that, hey, this is worth your time. It's worth checking out. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts on Casablanca or any of the sad sack movies or any of the movies we're going to be covering next month and now streaming. You can hit us up on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R. Stark, you are on the end. And we say, as always, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watch Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director focus shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.